This week on Rotten Righteous, we asked the question, whose favorite cookie is oatmeal raisin? Welcome back to Rotten and Righteous, the show that watches faith-based movies and rates them on a scale of 1 to 10. We're now in the second week of Hallmark Christmas Movie Month, where we have agreed to let our wives choose four Hallmark TV movies for us to review. If you missed last week, here's how it's going. We have watched two movies that are related to Christmas, but neither of them have been affiliated with Hallmark in any way. On this episode, we are reviewing The Borrowed Christmas. It's a 2014 film directed by Chip Rossetti, and you may not know him from his other projects like Where Was God? Dream Motel, Check In With An Angel, and The Gospel Writer's Autographs. Before we dive into our review, allow me to introduce you to the hosts of Rotten Righteous. He's not rented, he's borrowed. Luke Taylor. Mm. Hello, people of the world. <laughs> he said he'd be here by 9.30. He's already five minutes late. Scott Judge. Luke. <laughs> and, hey, I just met you, and this is crazy, but I borrowed Christmas, so call me Daddy, Zach Geiler. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Does anyone just get creepy out of the gate? <laughs> <laughs> Where else would we go with this? I will be honest with There's... you, I the only time I have felt this uncomfortable, Scott, and and the reason why I address this to Scott is because he will know what I'm talking about, is the first time that I watched Borrowed in Plain or, or not Borrowed, <laughs> Abducted in Plain Sight, the Netflix documentary about the oh, little girl. yes. Yes. Oh. By the end of it, I was standing up, and the first time I saw it, I was standing up with my arms, hugging myself, just scratching my forearms as I felt hives rise. I was getting so uncomfortable by this movie. I I, <laughs> I have never had a more physical reaction to a movie we have watched so far. As far as, oh, this is going to turn bad. I'm just waiting for... <laughs> just wait for to the... me, there was nothing about this movie that wasn't creepy. <laughs> oh, man. From start... To finish. I tell you what, they almost made a really good Christmas horror movie. They could have. Let's just dive right into the review. Scott is on a uh, time crunch. He probably won't make it till the end of the show, but uh, we'll, we'll use Scott as much as we can. The movie starts out with a terrible song that, that says the words, Christmas is for children who believe in Santa. Listen, I believe in Santa as much as the next guy, but I do know there are some Santa atheists out there into the world, and yet they still <laughs> are able to celebrate Christmas. So the movie starts out with a lie, and then what we see, and I know this now because I've been working in film editing for about six months now, and I know this little trick, uh, they took footage of somebody moving way too fast up a Christmas tree and down into a fireplace, but they only filmed it at 30 frames per second, but then they slowed it down <laughs> about half speed. So what we get is just this jerky, horrible, 
uh, <laughs> slow motion going up a Christmas tree and then into a fire. And then to make matters worse, the opening credits, the names, they're in Comic Sans in like this weird yellow color and they shake on the screen. Like they're constantly jiggling, <laughs> like they're made out of jello. So right away you get motion sickness within the first five minutes of this film between the jerky background of the Christmas tree and the shaking letters. We're, we're off to a bad start. The credits were terrible. That was the first thing. Actually, that was it was the very first thing in the movie, and it tipped me off to the fact that I was in for a long movie. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> you don't like that, sl- so that we- slow-mo at th- 30p? <laughs> no, and, and the funny thing is, as I was watching it, Kelsey goes, man, it's so jerky. And I said, I know, it's because they moved the camera too fast and they were filming at 30 frames per second. And she and I stopped and I looked at her and go, how do I know that? <laughs> but um, <laughs> the movie begins after Scott has a seizure, but I don't think that was related to the movie. Uh, no, it was actually a salad, but I digress. Yeah, I always get seizures and salads confused, too. Christmas is for children like me. But the main, you call him a protagonist, I guess, uh, man, Mr. Dean, walks into a store where they rent anything. Matter of fact, that's all it says, is we rent anything. They're having a slow day, though, because all they were able to rent that day... According to Jimmy, uh, the 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 worker there was a wheelbarrow. Somebody was, <laughs> and so which isn't a bad idea. Have you seen the price of those things at Rural King? Yeah, but you buy one, they're there forever. It's got. You might only need it for a day, I though. Yeah, but you no, know, that's not true. You think you only need a wheelbarrow for a day? You rent a wheelbarrow, you come back next week, you got something to wheelbarrow, and you're like, man, I should have bought that wheelbarrow. Really? Now i got to go rent one again. Mm. I've never experienced well, that phenomenon. We well, I'm not unemployed living in an apartment building in Guam, okay? <laughs> I live out in the country. I need a wheelbarrow from time to time. I see. <laughs> wow. I live on the third floor. There's nothing to wheelbarrow up here. I am in a better mood this week because I know... <laughs> I know that I'm not the only person that dislikes this movie. I was really going to try to find an angle on how I was going to like this and you know what was... yank your chain this whole this whole episode, but I, I can't. You know what was sad is I, you know, I, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Christmas movies, but I, I was trying really hard to come at it with a better attitude this week. I truly was. And that's why I'm in a better mood. Because I did try to find the jolliness of the film, and I can't. And so, (laughs) unfortunately, three and a half seconds into it, you went, this ain't going to work. No, but I got really excited because I was like, great, this is perfect. I can can destroy this movie and not feel like a terrible person by the end of it. (sighs) This one you can. So our protagonist, Mr. Dean, walks into a store where they rent Christmas, apparently. They rent anything. And so he assumes that means I'm, I can go in there and rent people. Uh, so this is the premise of the movie. Mr. Dean's a rich man, and he walks in there, and he wants to, to... He says borrow, but he rents. Because borrowing insinuates that you're not paying for anything. If I borrow something from you, Scott, I'm not going to put a down payment on it. I'm just going to take it, use it, and bring it back. 
so he rents, despite whatever they call this uh, movie. Um, he wants to rent a tree with all the trimmings and presents and a carolers. And he wants it to look like a real Norman Rockwell Christmas. Okay, I can get that. You're rich. You don't want to decorate. That's fine. But then he adds on top of it that he wants to also rent five children and a wife. <laughs> That's illegal in some states. <laughs> so the, the point of this movie is that people are property, if I'm getting it right. How do you get... I, I understand it's a movie. But what was troubling to me is how do you get to be this guy and have no one for Christmas. Oh, I mean, I have no, I have so many questions, but let's not get ahead of ourselves here. (laughs) Uh, Before we move any further, I just want to tell you from a filmmaking standpoint, I feel like they shot this entire movie with an iPhone four. (laughs) Are you sure it was a four? (laughs) They use, they have like one spotlight that they use. So everything is very harsh and ill lit. And then the entire opening scene, the woman that runs this store, Miss Weston, is out of focus. The entire <laughs> first scene. The focus is back on the that shelf, basket behind her head. The shelf behind her, perfectly in focus. You can see every single thing on the shelf behind her. But herself, blurry as the day is long. See, and when I saw her, I'm kind of like, she's hideous. <laughs> and then there was, a, there was a scene later in the movie I went... She's really pretty. Yeah, she's just blurry. Uh, so she agrees agrees to get this man uh, Christmas and children and a wife. Where Where is she going to go and, and find these children? On Christmas Eve and day. It's real easy, actually, because she lives in a small town, so you know they have that local actor's guild she can call up and get all them people. <laughs> Hey, if you pay somebody She's enough, like, oh, they'll be an actor for you. Hey, real quick, <laughs> did you did you pause? Did you pause the movie and see the amount of the check? Ten, no. Ten thousand dollars. That's the going price to borrow Christmas. Yeah, uh, I don't even know. I did pause and read something <laughs> else, but I don't want to spoil that just yet. And the only the only time that she's in focus is this camera that's placed behind her. But the guy that plays Jimmy, her worker, keeps standing directly in front of it. Like, he keeps bending down and standing up directly in front of this camera the entire scene. All right? And Jimmy is a horrifyingly bad actor. The first thing he does is she's writing all this stuff down, and then he just starts snapping at her. Like, she's a dog. Like, hey, hey, you paying attention to me? I'm Jimmy. Pay attention to me. It just, I, I want to punch that kid in the face so hard this entire movie. Why? He's like the best actor uh, in the whole movie. No, I'm sorry, but he's not. I, you know what? I will give credit. The guy that plays Mr. Dean isn't a bad actor, but man, he had nothing but creepiness to work with. <laughs> nothing yep. but a creepy script to work with. Bring me the children and have them call me daddy. <laughs> oh my goodness. Was one of them Willie? No, I loved Willie. 
I, I felt bad for him. He wasn't. Uh, yeah, I did too. <laughs> but the maids, the the housekeepers. Oh, oh, oh. okay. Just hey, me. which reminded me, was this was this done? I mean, where did they get these people to act from? I don't. I mean, know. I started the, watching this. The local thinking, actors guild. <laughs> I don't. I don't even. I don't even think so. I just because I started watching. Were, and I'm thinking were, this were was done. Somebody's aunt. This was done at some congregation somewhere, and it was the two that they decided, hey, they can play the housekeepers. I tell you what, they were so fake. If it was done by a congregation somewhere, it made me lose faith. So well, that's a shame. I really think it was. Movie I think is. it was. I think they like rounded up some people and they're like, here, memorize this script. We've got one day to shoot because otherwise, like I've had to use footage that's out of focus before. If I was in a location, where I could only shoot one time. It's like, it's easy to mess up one yeah. scene and get it out of focus. And it's like, you know what? You got to use the footage anyway. Cause you, you're, you know, you only had one day, but like this, like they just shot it in the house and it's like, nobody checked it. And then they realized that they're like, ah, it'll be fine. <laughs> well, did you ever see that movie? Ed Wood. No, it's uh, an old Ed Wood. It's an old Tim Burton movie that has Johnny Depp in it, and uh, Ed Wood is is famous for for making the movie Plan Nine from Outer Space, which before Battlefield Earth was widely recognized as the worst movie ever made. And the way that Ed Wood would film was he would do one take, and they'd be like, "You want to get a backup?" And he goes, "Nope, we got it. Moving on," and then just move on to the next scene. And I feel like <laughs> that's what happened in this movie. Nope, good enough. And then, but but let's just finish the opening scene real quick. It ends with her like, oh man, I gotta call the local actors guild. I gotta find a wife and five children for this creepy, creepy person uh, for Christmas. Why'd I get into this business? Hold on a second. You own basically a knockoff rent own. You did not get into the people renting business. That's something you decided on your own. You're not gonna. <laughs> you went from wheelbarrows to little orphan kids. <laughs> so. After calling the Actors Guild to hire... <laughs> it's so stupid. Scott, we're not going to get through this movie before you have to leave. I'm sorry, bud. That's, that's all right. That's all right. But Miss Weston, next scene, goes over to Mr. Dale's house to learn more about him to really personalize this creepy Christmas. And there she meets two housekeepers, maids, <laughs> named Bridget and Martha. Peasants. Oh, by the way, they're sisters. They're sisters, too. Um... And they don't want anything to do with Miss Weston for about five minutes. Nope. They're like, ugh, she's late. By five minutes, ugh, she's late. Martha's like, she better not tell me how to cook. I'll cut her. I'm like, geez, Martha, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> but as soon as as soon as Miss Weston gets there, she gets they they both just get super excited about the idea. Uh, these two women cannot act. As we've said several times, Martha is just, just real, real bad. Just real bad. Uh, even bad for how low budget this movie is. She's just real bad. She's like, I don't understand why Mr. Dale needs to have Christmas. And you did a way better job, way better job there, Zach, than what she did actually. And there's a pause in between every line. They. This woman better not tell me how to do my cooking. (laughs) 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 And then we learned a lot about Mr. Dean. 
How old would you say the actor that plays Mr. Dean is, just real quick? I was thinking my age, 50. Uh, Yeah, I'd I'd say late 50s. Uh, How old would you say that the maid Bridget is? Uh, 45. I'd say (laughs) late 40s, early 50s. Okay, I'm just making sure here. First thing that we learned about Mr. Dale that I'm like, okay, I really can't get behind this movie, is that... Mr. Dale has not had a good Christmas since his parents got into a car accident that killed his father and left his mother an invalid. Those That's, that's a quote. That's a, yep. <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> okay, listen, I, I know it's sad when your parents leave this earth, but when you get into your late 40s, early 50s, yeah, that's about the time you come to the realization that, you know what, my mom and dad are probably not going to be around forever. Scott, correct me if yeah. I'm wrong. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm facing that right now. And I mean, with particularly my parents, not as much Ellie's right now, but mine. Well, and, and the reason why I say that is, is by the time you're Scott's age, yes, it's going to be sad. And yes, it's going to suck to say goodbye to your mom and dad, but it's not going to destroy your life. Or at least it shouldn't. Well, you got to remember, though, his mom was invalid. Yeah, she was an invalid. And we don't really... Did we ever actually learn what happened to the mom? No. Other than um, the fact that she's an invalid? Well, I think he, he, took, he took care of her for as long as she was... As long as, long as she was alive. Correct? Yeah, and then it's implied. I think so. I think, I think it was... Died. I think it was implied that Mr. Dean took a pillow upstairs. <laughs> I'm tired of this. <laughs> and just told her, shh, 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 shh. Only you no, would Mama. think shh, that, Zach. Uh, so, but, but then, what Bridget says is worse. She goes, and what's worse? And I said, hold on a second, Bridget. You just told me he lost both of his parents in a car accident. And then she... <laughs> What's worse? And she goes, what's worse is that his childhood home became part of the high school in his hometown. <laughs> well, hold on a second, Bridget. Pump the brakes. <laughs> That's worse. <laughs> oh. So, Mr. So, so Mom and dad are dead, but that's not the worst part of it. So Mr. Dale has completely shut down, other than the fact that he's a successful business because he lost both his parents, and what's worse, his house that he grew up in was sold, and it it never says it gets torn down. They just say it became part of the high school. They (laughs) they built the house into the high school. It was just absorbed. So with that information, Miss Weston gets to work and goes to buy Christmas decorations, presents for the kid actors who probably have everything, according to Martha, and uh, to find a picture of Mr. Dale's childhood home. All right, it's the day before Christmas Eve, and Miss Weston is expecting the actors to come over so that they can go over this entire thing that they're going to do when they give Mr. Dale a Christmas. It's about this time that one of the maids, Bridget, shows Miss Weston old family Christmas decorations, and she pulls out a cardboard box and opens it up, 
And Kelsey remarks at this point, is that blood? <laughs> Probably. Because on rim of this child, this cardboard box is just this dry, brown, <laughs> drippy colored paint. Like, I half expected her to be like, here's the invalid. We had her preserved so she can be at the top of the tree. Like, I'm, I'm waiting for this movie to turn into a horror movie at every single point of this, of this film. But out of this bloody box, instead she pulls out a couple ornaments that still have the tags on them. Still have the... These are old family heirlooms. They kept the tag from Walmart where we bought them just sitting right there. It was in case they ever wanted to return them. And then this horribly tacky... This horribly tacky star that's supposed to be this old family heirloom. I'm not joking, guys. I saw this star in for sale at Walmart in the Christmas section last year. Like mm-hmm. she said, this is special. <laughs> oh, this is special. But uh, then Jimmy comes over and tells Miss Weston, got bad news. The, the Actors Guild called, and these kids can't act. They came down with measles. <laughs> of of all the did. diseases they could have picked. Measles. Guys, this movie came out in 2014. I, I, looked, yeah. I looked this up because I needed to know this. Uh, in 2014... 143 Americans contracted measles. Half of them were at that orphanage. No, nope. I mean at the Actors Guild. Apparently, those to that orphanage that pers- is an anti-vax place. But to put that in perspective, there's about 328.2 million people in America, which means measles affected roughly 0. 0.000. 0.004% of the population in 2014. They chose that disease out of a <laughs> cold or the flu. Seasonal flu, that's just not believable. No, these these kids contracted measles and so they can't act in this in this creepy little play. <laughs> and then what's worse, they can't find an actress to play the mother. So the two of them decide so to stupid. put their minds together, and they walk around in a circle. <laughs> this was horrible. And then the this then Miss Weston stops and gasps, and Jimmy comes running up and says, "You got an idea?" No, no, no. Then they go back to pacing in a circle. Then it's Jimmy's turn. Jimmy's turn to pretend like he has an idea. But no, 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 no. Then they go back to pacing in a circle again. And then they both come up with the same idea. The orphanage. We can just hire orphans to play Mr. Dean's kids. And the other orphans can be carolers, guys. Since they're not going anywhere on Christmas. <laughs> yeah, they have nothing better to do. <laughs> now, you could call your local orphanage, see if you could borrow a couple kids for Christmas. They'd tell you no, but you could. And it's at this point that Jimmy admits... That he wishes he had a dad that he could fight with. Jimmy goes, yeah. I see all these kids fighting with their dads. Man, I wish I had me a dad to fight with. What a weird thing. What <laughs> mm-hmm. a weird thing. Of all the things you miss not having parents, fighting with your dad's yeah. what Jimmy wants. <laughs> see, they take, they take, I mean, for so many kids, it's a real thing. But why the timing of it just did not make sense. Oh, but there's all kinds of just bizarre things they pull out. It's like the measles. Well, Jimmy's an orphan. <laughs> that's how that's, that's their end to getting these orphans is Jimmy's an orphan. Yeah. And then Miss Weston reveals at this point 
the most shocking and confusing line, maybe in the whole movie. She goes, you don't have parents, Jimmy? I didn't know that. First of all, you work with him every day. You didn't stop and ask. (laughs) But then she goes, you know, my dad died when I was 14. That's when I got my first job. To which Jimmy goes, 14? Like, Jimmy, calm down. I, I got my first, I have two parents that are very alive, and I got my first job at 15. It's not that shocking. <laughs> but what is shocking is that she got her first job at 14 and then put four brothers through college. That is shocking. <laughs> but what's even more shocking than that is although that this woman is in her 40s, uh, she has a sister who just got married after high school. Yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> I was trying to do the math there. She's probably 44, 45, so 30 years ago her dad dies, but somehow... It's dumb. It's really dumb, this whole thing. And you, then You would think that people would have somebody to check these things that they're saying to at least add up somewhat? Scott, Maybe a little if you're not going to check to see if the camera is focused on your main actress, you're not going to check the math of her claims. Oh, then Jimmy brutal. comes up with the best idea in the whole movie. He's going to play Mr. Mr. Dale's oldest son. Genius. Miss Weston. Miss Weston thinks it's a great idea because, quote, he's a young Robert De Niro. No, no, he ain't. <laughs> Jimmy's a lot of things. A young Robert De Niro <laughs> is not one of them. But the only caveat to this is that Jimmy needs to change his name to Jack. Because why not? Very important. Also, Jimmy has some of the worst lines in this entire movie. I I didn't go over this at the beginning, but as soon as Mr. Dale leaves after Miss Weston agrees to to rent Christmas, Jimmy goes, it's a lonely person who tries to buy happiness. I remember when I was in high school, when I was a high schooler, (laughs) I said things like that all the time. (laughs) All the time. I I, I, I was like one of them tear-off calendars that gives you a stupid quote every day. Jimmy is an enlightened high schooler. And then Jimmy also mentions, as Mr. Dale leaves, why didn't he just want to buy a lawnmower? I don't know, Jimmy, probably because it's December and there's snow all over the ground. It's probably why he wasn't in there to get a lawnmower that day. Come on, Jimmy. Oh, You're bringing up stupidity that I didn't even catch. All right, this this even gets worse immediately because not only is Jimmy going to play Jack, the oldest son, Jimmy then goes, you know what? I think Gene can play his oldest daughter, to which Miss Weston says, isn't that a little weird? Not exactly in those words, but it is heavily implied that Jimmy and Gene are an item, mm-hmm. to which Jimmy responds, no, it'll be fun to pretend that Gene's my sister. Hold on a second. Please pump the brakes while I go vomit for a minute. (laughs) That that part could have been written a little better. I mean, it was okay. A little better. A little more time on that. There was nothing okay uh, about that. Could have been advantageous. Mm -mm. No. no, Never once have I looked at my wife and said, you know, it'd be fun. You know, it'd be fun. Let's go find a creepy old rich man and pretend to be brother and sister. Wouldn't that be fun? Hey, you know who did do that, though? Joe Dirt. Abraham. Abraham. 
and Isaac. True. It's a and thing. if I remember those stories, it didn't really work out well for either one of them. No, not, not at all. <laughs> but in this case, it did. I mean, I, I think that's the 11th commandment, the unwritten commandment. Thou shalt not pretend your significant other is your sister, you gross, <laughs> you gross person. Oh, but Jimmy mentions wife. about three times in this movie that Gene's his sister. Oh, he's, mm-hmm. he's super excited about this. Oh, I, I don't know, but Jimmy wanting his girlfriend to be his sister, that's too much. That took all the Christmas cheer right out of this movie. <laughs> See, this is the way I interpreted it. That um, they had broken up. She probably broke up with him. So then it was really awkward, but he really wanted to get back with her. And so then um, he thought this oh, was I his. Know. This I'll was make his her my end. sister. This was his end. And then if they made them brother and sister, it wouldn't be awkward. They would just be able to be friends. And then that would rekindle the spark of the relationship. Yeah, that's. I think it was. I like. I like the. Uh-huh. I think it was a writer who didn't realize what he wrote until after the scene was shot, and he goes, "Oh no, we can't put that in there." But <laughs> Sorry, the director was like, "All right, moving on. <laughs> Perfect." Jean's my sister, so all the orphans come over: Jimmy, Jean, Cynthia, Letty, and Willie. Willie, and everyone hates Willie. Everyone hates nice. him because he eats too much. Him. They're like, shut up, Willie. We know you're a hungry orphan, but shut up. Where's Willie? He was in my kitchen? Shut up, Martha. Stop acting. <laughs> please. Please stop acting. So, Mr. W- Miss Weston, with the, with the runner of the orphanage there, Miss Weston explains to these children that uh, they're going to pretend that this grown, creepy, rich... Hermit is their dad. You're going to call him daddy. You're going to call him daddy. Hear that, Letty? I will beat you to death <laughs> if you don't call him daddy. And you got to be excited when you call him daddy. Every adult in this movie is totally on board with this idea <laughs> so far. Which, how does that happen? But then Mr. Dean comes home and everybody needs to hide. Why? <laughs> <laughs> he he knows that this is happening, yeah, but whatever. It wasn't Christmas Eve yet. It was Christmas Eve Eve. And then Mr. Dean's friend Fred comes over to pick up a present for his wife. Why? Uh, or Mr. Dale's friend, Mr. Dale comes home and everybody needs to hide. And then Mr. Dale's friend Fred comes over to pick up a present for his wife. Why does Mr. Dale have Fred's wife's present? I don't know. We're never told what that is. <laughs> then... Mr. Dale explains to Fred that he bought a Christmas and a family that was modeled after Fred's real-life family. (laughs) (laughs) When you say it like that, it becomes slightly more creepier. He literally says, I rented or borrowed five kids just like you. <laughs> if I was Fred, I would find a new friend. He's a, he's rich though, so he excuses his um his oddities, awkwardness. But I will say this about Fred, he is the only one in this entire movie that questions it. Yeah. Finally, a sane adult. Fred's like, "What are you talking about? This is weird." 
He's like, you rented a wife? Better be careful with that. You know, and it's here in this scene, too, that he admits that he was just in one of those quirky moods. We rent everything. <laughs> and it was and it was kind of a joke. <laughs> you know, I was walking past that local rental shop, because those are things, and then uh, I just, you know, was in one of those moods. You were in one of the moods to rent people? What, what mood is that? <laughs> we rent anything, and it seems to me that a family for Christmas would be anything. I have been in a lot of moods. A lot of moods. <laughs> a lot of moods. I have never been in that kind of mood. <laughs> it's never implied in the beginning of the movie, though, that he's, like, joking about this. And then they come back in the no. middle, and they're like, oh, yeah, this was actually a joke. But then I went too far, and I had to do it. And so I wrote a check for $10,000 and rented a bunch of people. It's Christmas Eve, and all the kids are dressed like Charles Dickens' characters. And Mr. Dale comes home, and the kids hide, and Bridget's putting up a nativity scene. Oh, wait a second. Two things that I forgot. One, when Martha, or when Bridget tells Martha that they're getting kids from the orphanage, she says it just like Oprah, and it made me laugh for a long time. (laughs) They're coming from the orphanage! What's worse is that Martha, like when they when Martha says some of these really strange things, they have like very zoomed in shots of her face, and it just makes yeah. it even worse. Also, the entire movie, just real quick, what just popped in my head, the entire movie, Miss Weston talks to Martha as if she's mentally handicapped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like, "Where'd you get those flowers? I grew them in my room." Oh, you did? Good job. Good for you. (laughs) I can't wait to see your room. Okay, so, it's Christmas Eve. Kids are dressed up like Charles Dickens rejects. And then, Mr. Dale comes home. He walks in, and Bridget's still putting up the nativity scene. Mr. Dean is surprised to see the Christmas decorations that he paid for. (laughs) Maybe you forgot <laughs> that this was coming. Well, it was a joke. Yeah, it wasn't planned anyway. Then he stares at the tree for a while. Then Willie walks in, calls him daddy, and gives this man an awkward hug. Really, I thought his hug was actually pretty genuine compared to how most people would hug their fake daddy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you say fake daddy again for me? That's the episode title. How would you hug your fake daddy? And then uh, two young prepubescent girls walk in, also call him daddy, and also give him a hug. Hi, daddy! Then Miss Weston comes in, in a dress that's got a slit up to her rib cage. (coughs) He just walks in and shoves an oatmeal raisin cookie right in John's face. First of because all, it's his can, favorite. I, can I just say that, <clears throat> number one, oatmeal raisin is the worst cookie. And number Nobody two... Nobody has ever said my favorite cookie is oatmeal raisin, <laughs> ever. And, and number two, those cookies didn't even look good. Like, no. I've had an oatmeal raisin cookie, I've endured it, but that one looked like a rock. They almost look more like muffins. And what's really messed up is that she's got... Three hungry orphans sitting on the couch, shoving cookies in this guy's mouth, and the kids go, "Hey, mommy, can I have a cookie?" She's like, "No, I'll ruin your dinner." 
but good news, guys, because the other two kids just called from the station. All right, guys, I got to check out. All right, bud. Have fun. And we are going to continue reviewing this movie without him. By the way, real quick, she's shoving oatmeal rice cookies in his mouth, and then she leaves the room to go get something done. Nadella sits on the couch and cries, sweetheart, to Miss Weston, his rented wife, about seven times. <laughs> you think all, these, come? You think all these, like, these, these oddities are going to go somewhere, but they don't. They just... They just oh, go nowhere. They go someplace. They, they, they just go to the, the Twilight Zone is where it goes. <laughs> they just wanted to have you, the viewer, listen to this guy yell seven times in a row. Well, I feel like somebody in the church owns that house. They're like, hey, you've got a nice house. Can we film our movie in there? They're like, well, we've got one living room that we don't mind having guests sit on the couch. You can have that. <laughs> it's literally all in that room. There's only, like, there's only, what, three, four locations in this entire movie? I think there's only two. It's just the store in this living room, isn't it? Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> and like some like B footage or, or B roll of a town. Yeah, the, the snowy street. Um, and, and so Miss Wesley comes in. Dale asks if she needs anything to help or if you can help with anything. She's like, no, you, you bought this. You just sit there and you enjoy it. <laughs> But her apron is untied. What was and this? This, part, this, was a, this is the part. This is the part that made me stand up. I could not sit for the rest of this movie because he's, she's like, "You help me tie my apron," and he ties it too tight. And then Miss Weston says, "And I quote, you know how to tie knots, huh?'" <laughs> I'm not joking. This is, I, I wasn't sure if this was going to turn into uh, like an X-rated movie at this point in her French-made style um, apron thing that she had going on, but I was a little bit worried. I, I keep waiting for this to turn into a true crime. Eccentric, Mister Dale. Kidnapped and killed five orphans. <laughs> That's basically what happened. He lured them with money into his white van. Uh, before we can find out if the knot tying is going to go anywhere, Master Jack, Jimmy, and I'm going to call him Jimmy the rest of this movie. I don't care if his name is Jack in this stupid little situation. His name is Jimmy. And Miss Jean come to the door just in time for dinner. A 16-year-old Jean cries, Oh, Daddy! And runs into Mr. Dale's arms, a man she has never met. She's a good actor. But then Jimmy shows a level of distance. He's the only one that I think realizes that this man is a predator. Because <laughs> he does not hug Mr. Dale. He just gives him a firm handshake. It's a proper sunlight greeting. Then Willie comes in and says that he's hungry and he just measured delivery. Then the maid, Martha, turns around and just yells at him to stop whining. Everyone hates Willie. Scott, is, yeah, Scott was the only one who liked Willie. And now that he's gone, Willie will not have any grace from us. I will say, so they all go. I, I will say that they attempted some comedic relief, I think, here with Jimmy, but it was <sighs> so bad. Okay, so they go and eat dinner. They don't. They walk out of the living room where they're allowed to shoot and it fades to black because they don't have permission to film in the dining room. <laughs> this is my favorite part because the next scene, everyone's in their pajamas gathered around the Christmas tree. And because he's a sociopath, Mr. Dale asks Gene and Jack what their summer plans are. Remember, Gene and Jack are orphans. Their summer plans involve being orphans but he makes them say things like let's go fishing or let's ride a horse around new england because that's a thing that's what rich rich, like, rich prep school people do in the summer so they had to play a part but i think this is so cruel hey imagine that your parents weren't dead <laughs> and you had a happy life and you could do anything you want to go the summer well guess what's not gonna happen <laughs> you're, you're orphans and then they decide to read the christmas story a family tradition <laughs> a large book is then handed to mr dean this book is titled, because I paused and read it, World Famous Paintings. Is it really? Yes. He is reading the Nativity Story. <laughs> this is just the oldest book out, I can find. Out of a book that says World Famous Paintings. <laughs> they went to the thrift store and they like, find the oldest book possible. And we'll try not to get the cover on the, on the video. Oh. Then he just sits there and reads. Why everybody just smiles at him for like 10 minutes? 10 minutes of this movie is just him reading from this art book that somebody pasted the Nativity Story on the inside of. I would say that I was surprised, but when I asked myself, based on the, the previous scenes and how long they were, when, I, when he picked it up and started reading, I was like, is he going to read the whole thing? And the answer that oh. I knew was true was yes, he is, because, I mean, it would be consistent with every other scene in this movie. Well, can you please explain to me why, for some reason, as he's reading the Nativity Story, we get some close-ups of some Christmas ornaments with crudely pasted clip art, CGI'd on top of them, that, that come to life? That was an interesting uh, touch. They were just like, I'm going to do some Adobe After Effects here and throw it in and watch me do it. It doesn't match anything else in this movie, but here you go. Hey, Jerry, we got $5. I know. I know. Yeah, I'll put this weird clip art. <laughs> I went to Canva and found this weird clip art of a manger in Mary and Joseph. I'll make the star go inside of the manger for some reason. Genius. Do it. Hey, real quick, we got this clip art of a tree. Can you put some, some terrible snow effects on the front of it and make smoke come out of its chimney? I sure can. Well, can you make it look kind of like that? Absolutely. Let's do it. And then some carolers, which remember are the other orphans, are invited to come in from the snow for about five minutes and sing a very long, very off-key rendition of Silent Night. 
these uh, unworthy orphans are blessed to look at the chosen orphans in their presence in new pajamas and full bellies. <laughs> and Christmas tree full of presents. But then they have to leave and go back to the orphanage. After the carolers leave, the orphans are dismissed to go to bed. And then Mr. Dale asks the kids for a hug, which is real creepy. He doesn't know these kids. He bought these kids, guys. Gotta make the most of it. Bought... I'm just gonna leave it there. And then the wife comes down with a handful of presents because she saved a few presents for him to wrap. I hated this scene as a... <laughs> I hated this scene so much. Tell me what would be the best Christmas present? If I came home and Kelsey's like, Joseph's in bed, I'd be like, awesome. And Joseph went to bed two hours ago and I had time to wrap all of his presents so you don't have to do anything. Thank you, honey. Oh, except for these that I saved for you. <laughs> Why? Why? You know, if you hadn't wrapped Christmas presents in like 30 years, which apparently this guy oh, had, that is you, would want, you would want the experience. It's part of the Christmas experience, the suffering of wrapping gifts. Oh, but he doesn't ever wrap them. He opens them all up. Yeah, that's true. And sees what's inside. But he doesn't wrap them. <laughs> that's peasant work. Anyway, I, worth I, it to do that. I also like that she bought a bunch of different presents for people that he was not expecting to buy presents for. Like the, the paper boy gets a present. He's like, look, lady, I paid you $10,000 to buy presents for these kids. <laughs> a Rolex for Jimmy. That <laughs> <laughs> he then covets while looking at it. And then Miss Weston, who Mr. Dale keeps referring to as Mrs. Dale, and I gouge my arms with my fingernails deeper every time he says that as I'm scratching feverishly at the hides that are erupting on my uncomfortable body. <laughs> she goes to check on the children when Mr. Dale realizes that he doesn't have a present for his own fake rented wife. After assuring Martha, this is so stupid. After he assures Martha that he remembers Santa, he tells Bridget to go get the sapphire brooch from the safe for Miss Weston. Miss Weston comes back, and he puts his arm around his rented wife, and you can see these actors do not have chemistry with each other because Miss Weston reluctantly allows her head to rest on his chest as they say "Merry Christmas" to each other. Really, I thought it was pretty black. Did you? Yeah. I thought it was. Okay. Can I also say that sapphire is blue, and this was like an ugly brown stone. Well, you can get like a purple sapphire, but I, I mentioned mentioned that too. It was like a dingy, like dishwater gray. <laughs> Also, probably at their store find. What do you, wear, what do you laugh, wear a brooch with? Well, first of all, you have to be 80. Yeah. And then you put it on one of those weird flower-covered shirts that you that every woman buys for themselves at about 75. Oh, yeah, and then you wear it on, like, your lapel. That's terrible. Those weird flower-colored t-shirts that have shoulder pads. <laughs> I feel like they were meant to be worn with, like, um, ballroom, or, uh, uh, gowns, but nobody wears those anymore. So now they just put on those hideous old lady clothes. I mean, whatever. Rock your old lady flower shirts and brooches. I don't care. But if you look at a dingy piece of fake jewelry that looks like gray dishwater or brown nastiness and say, oh, they almost look like my eyes, I'm gonna get offended. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. I don't even want to finish this. It gets oh, it's so bad. In Christmas, it's Christmas morning. Mr. Dale tells the kids to come in with their eyes closed. Jack, again, the only one that sees... Or Jimmy, sorry. Jimmy, again, the only one that sees Mr. Dale as the predator he really is. He's his eyes <laughs> wide open this entire time. He knows he can't trust a man that rents people. Also, during the scene, Jimmy keeps rubbing his sister Jean's back. Jimmy, this is gross. Stop it. Well, first of all, if he is trying to make a move, then, you know, that makes sense. Uh, listen, but then again, I, I also know brothers and sisters it. who act that way. And it's weird. <laughs> yeah, I know. Gets to open her present first, and she gets some perfume, to which she responds, gonna get a quote, Lilac! Every good country girl loves Lilac! Every basic girl. It's Lilac, first of all. Not Lilac. Don't call it Lilac. And then Bridget is almost brought to tears when she opens up a pair of slippers. Did you also think that those were kids' slippers, and there was no way that those were gonna fit on her feet? Here's the thing that I keep trying to figure out. Alright, when we first meet Bridget, again, she looks like she's in her late 40s, early 50s. The same age as Mr. Dale. She says that when Mr. Dale and his brother, Lyle, Lyle Dale, for those of you keeping track, guys, character's name is Lyle Dale. Uh, when they came in, she would read them bedtime stories. So in my mind, I'm picturing like a three-year-old little girl sitting on the bed of a three-year-old little boy, just but she's in like a tiny maid outfit, having to read these rich kids' bedtime stories while she doesn't get a piece of pair of slippers to run around the house in. And when she finally receives a pair, it brings her to tears. That's exactly right. I watched him grow up. When? When you were growing up? <laughs> now, Martha is like what, fifty, right? So and then no, no, no. Um, Bridget is fifty, and then Martha is like how old did you say Martha is? Like sixty-five. Oh, probably sixty-five. Yeah, she's in her sixties. She's in her sixties. Yeah, yeah. So I'd say like sixty-five. So there's a giant spread there. I, that was a uh, hard to believe. It's it's not good. All right, so they're opening presents. Jean gives Dale, Mr. Dale, a framed picture of her. Which he cherishes. Again, the nails dug into my arms just a little <laughs> bit deeper. Because you can tell, they stole this picture off of that poor young church-going girl's Instagram. They printed it out in black and white and put it in a frame. Correct. And she's just handing it to her fake daddy. But all fathers want. <laughs> okay. Then it is Jimmy's turn. 
and he gives Miss Weston a terrible gift called the Sonics of the Portuguese. Book. Again, I think this was just a thrift store find, and they're like, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> what, what mom doesn't want to receive sonnets of the, por- <laughs> the Portuguese? I'm going to look that up. Is that actually a real thing? Sonnets of- Yeah, the Portuguese are famous for their sonnets. Yeah. I have one. Would you like me to read one? Sonnets of the Portuguese number uh, 30, I guess. I haven't read it, so we're going to find out. I see thine image through my tears tonight, and yet today I saw thee smiling. How? Refer the cause, beloved. It is thou or I who makes me sad. The acolyte, amid the chanting joy and thankful rite, may so fall flat with pale, insensate brow on the altar stair. I hear thy voice mm. and bow. We're halfway there. Perplexed, uncertain. Since thou art out of sight, as he in his swooning ears, the choir's amen, beloved, dost thou love, or did I see all? The glory as I dreamed, and fainted when, to vehement light, dilated my ideal through my soul's eyes. Will that light come again, as now these tears come, falling hot and real? <laughs> I suppose there's gold fake tears. <laughs> it sounds like lyrics from the early 2000 emo bands. Like Everbescence. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. My tears are hot and real! Ah. Calm down. Written by Elizabeth Barrett Browning. That's not even, she's not even Portuguese! Well, she lied, so she could sell more books then. Sonnet 43 is the most famous, in case you wanted to look it up. I don't. Now I'm going to look it up. Right. Welcome to Science of Portuguese Hour. So, Jack also gives another book that a poor prop guy went to the thrift store with $10 in his pocket and bought. Uh, and it probably doesn't say this, but according to Mr. Weston, it's a copy of an old book called The World's Greatest Men. To which Jimmy responds, <laughs> they should have wrote a chapter about you, That was the most crap line I've ever read. Then the present everyone's been waiting for. Miss Weston somehow was able to get a picture of Mr. Dale's childhood home. Yes, the same home that became part of the high school. <laughs> but didn't look like it. It is a small brick ranch home. I paused and looked at this thing seven times because I because he goes on and goes, oh, look, you can see the vineyard. Nope, there's no vineyard in that picture. <laughs> well, did you also notice that the whole thing was out of focus because they didn't, the, the camera was just out of focus? So the hey, look, there's, there's, the, there's the prairie where our horses ran. There's not a prairie in that picture. And they kept saying, he keeps talking about how rich he is. The house in that picture looks like the stereotypical middle-class America picture. And I'm supposed to believe that in that two-bedroom ranch, they had enough room for maids and everything else. It makes no sense. I thought because before they became rich, but the maids said that they lived there, and I, I mean, you don't have two servants unless you're pretty rich. Well, that's why they're rich. They saved up all their money and just bought a ranch house, shoved the maids in the cupboard underneath the stairs like Harry Potter, and that's, that's he was. Point. They didn't take care of the horses. <sighs> then poor Willie says that uh, he's hungry, to which Miss Weston scolds him, and then says, quote, Miss Martha has made us waffles with powdered sugar and butter. One problem with that, I put powdered sugar and I put butter on top of my waffles. It's delicious. But I also don't ever say, hey, do you want powdered sugar and butter on top of your waffles without first saying, how much syrup do you want? Why is syrup not mentioned there? You're going to mention powdered sugar and butter? That's weird. That's a weird line. Syrup's implied. Everyone has syrup and waffles, so. but you might, I, I, waffles come with different things. Butter and sugar are the specific topics, and everyone already knows you have syrup. Thank you. Thank you so much, Miss Weston. We don't have powdered sugar and butter at the orphanage. <laughs> they don't. That's too fancy for the orphanage. Did Annie ever have powdered sugar and, and buttered waffles? No. That's a hard knock life. So, next scene, Christmas is over. Jean is talking to Miss Weston, and everyone is sad because they're about to go back to the orphanage. Now, listen, all these kids, remember, they're supposed to be actors, so actors get paid. But all the orphan kids who don't have jobs or are living in a poor orphanage, they say they don't get paid because it's fun. Even Willie's like, keep that skrilla. Um, <laughs> it's the sincerity of their hearts. It's the stupidity of the writing. Even though the monstrosity that is uh, what Mr. Dale has done to these kids, he's like giving them this great Christmas. He's like, all right, back to the orphanage for his own sheer pleasure. It's so bad. <laughs> now, Jimmy and Mr. Dale are taking a walk in the snow. I'm sure that's a euphemism for something. But Miss <laughs> Weston tells the kids that when they come back, it's time to go back to the orphanage, kids. Everyone's sad, even though they've only been there for about 24 hours. Everyone's real sad. The maids are sad. The kids are leaving. And then Jimmy and Mr. Dale walk back in. They took so long because they were having a snowball fight, which I'm sure is a euphemism for something. I just don't want to know what it is. And Miss Weston tells Bridget to take the children on a walk. Like I said, it would not take that much to turn this into a horror movie. I think it's time, Bridget, that you take the kids on that walk. She's going to murder them orphans. Jean is all emotional. She calls Mr. Dale Daddy one more time because, ew. And the kids don't want to leave. But they all say, bye, Dad. Mr. Weston gives them all creepy hugs and sends them back to the orphanage. Martha's a wreck at this point. Then Jimmy and Jean both leave to go to Joey's house. Joey's a made-up name. I don't know what these two young teenagers are going to do unsupervised, and I don't want to know. <laughs> then the worst Christian music rock song I have ever heard in my life begins to play. The best gift we can get 
something you can't rent. You won't take it back for a better one. The moments that we share, the love that takes us there, reminds us of Father's As a montage of black and white pictures of the children opening their presents up here, Mr. Dale is smiling at a picture of Jean Gross when we come out of the montage. And Miss Weston comes in with her bag. She returns the money in the brooch. She can't accept payment for a wonderful Christmas that he gave her. And Mr. Dale calls her back and says that he doesn't want his payment returned. Go ahead and give it to her favorite charity. To which Miss Weston says, Charity? Like she has never heard the word before. She's then selfish. she remembers. She doesn't give yeah, charities. And, and then she remembers the orphans that she just absolutely used and caused significant <laughs> emotional damage on. I guess I could give some to them. Then Mr. Dale tells Miss Weston. That he's not satisfied with the Christmas she gave him. Now here's the thing guys. Up to this point it has been a very creepy. Very off-putting movie. But then the faith-based Christian movie comes out of left field. It just smacks you right in the mouth at this point. I did not see this coming from a mile away. Yes, in the in the... Above it, it does say uh, uh, it does say Christian movie or faith based movie or whatever. But I was just like, okay, they talked about Christmas in the nativity scene. They got it. Oh no, 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 no. The faith, (laughs) the faith based hits you like a bus that you don't see coming because (laughs) Miss Weston gets very angry when Mister West or Mister Dale says that he's not satisfied, and she's like. Everything that we have belongs to God. Okay, hold on a second. That makes no sense, but okay. You can't buy Christmas. The line didn't even, in context, it didn't even make sense. Oh, and then Mr. Dale just allows her to get super angry for like five minutes. He doesn't try to intervene at all. He's just like, okay. And then... Mr. Dale gets up like he's doing a sermon on marriage or teaching a bunch of preaching students marriage and family. And he goes, you taught me something the past couple of days. Nothing I borrow or rent will ever make me happy. You see, I want Christ, the spirit of Christmas, in the middle of everything I do. <laughs> and because you taught me about Christmas... I want to tell you a little secret. And at this point, I think he's going to kill her. He's going to kill her. Come on, you can't make a movie this creepy and not have him turn into a murderer. But no, his little secret is this. I'm going to adopt those children. That might be But he wants creepy. something else. Something else that he wants Christ in the center of. He says, quote, I want something else with Christ in the center of it. Like Jesus is the cream filling of an Oreo. And then he takes Miss Weston's hand and proposes. He met this woman three days ago. He knows what he wants. 
He knows he wants Christ in it. And that's about all he knows. He wants those he five accepts- kids. Wouldn't you like to be proposed to like that? Be like, uh, yeah, I want you to marry me. And also, uh, we're going to have five kids right away. All full grown. No, no, this is so problematic in so many different ways. First of all, he's rich. Second of all, I'm alone in a house with him. Third of all, the door's locked. The peasants are there. Fourth of all, he hasn't mentioned his spirituality one time in this entire movie. And then at the end, it's like a Christmas Day sermon. I mean, it, this. I, I don't disagree with what he's saying about, yes, Christ needs to be in the center of your marriage and everything. What I don't like is being molested by a Christian message in the last five <laughs> minutes of a movie and not expect this to come. This comes so far out of left field, it <laughs> gave me whiplash. It was so very, very poorly done. But then she accepts the brooch. Because Miss Weston always wanted a family, true love, and a home. She is a successful businesswoman. Does she not have a home? Is she living at the orphanage? <laughs> I mean, all her money's going to send in her four brothers to college, and her sister just got married right out of high school, so... And she's adopting her employee now, just to make and then, sense. Yeah, it's gross. This is so gross. I mean, it was gross in the beginning when he walks in and she goes, uh, she goes, I walk by your house every day. And Mr. Dale goes, I know. I, I see want, you do it all I the time. You. <laughs> Actually, I have a question. So now we have a dilemma in that uh, Jimmy and Jean are legitimately brother and sister. I, don't th- I think that's, I think that's, Jim- I think that's Jimmy's thing. I think I, he's over the moon. He might not care. Yeah, but that would be... Um, I feel like that would give you some legal problems down the road. Some people might think it's a little weird when your kids are dating. He got so happy when he heard that Jean was going to be his sister that uh, I think this is what he wanted all along. So she accepts the uh, proposal. And then Martha jumps out of nowhere, like out of the hallway. She just jumps in the living room and then says... This is the most glorious Christmas day of my whole life. This is the most glorious Christmas of my whole life. I need to go bake cookies for my new family. (laughs) (laughs) And then she just runs off to bake cookies for her new family. What? That's the end, guys. That's the end of the movie. Fade to black. <laughs> At the end of the day, I just do not know what to say about this movie. If I you know found, what, this is what I'm. If I had found this movie I'm, on like YouTube or whatever, and I would just assume that it was like some dude who decided to make a movie in a day with his with his cell phone or whatever, and I'd be like, oh okay. But the fact that it's like released as a proper movie that's my problem with it like i'd be like oh this this guy's just a terrible director moving on but it but it's not one of those what what makes me sad is it's not one of those movies that are so bad that they're fun to watch yeah you know like battlefield earth was a bad movie it was very bad okay 
but like I said, it was fun to watch. It was fun to make fun of. It didn't make me feel uncomfortable the entire time. <laughs> there was definitely a factor of, of just like, this makes me squirm. I, I'm not joking when I said I had to stand up and I felt itchy. I felt like I just walked through poison ivy or something. It was making me so uncomfortable to watch this. It was just so bad. With, um, I, I, you know, with Battlefield Earth, at least you had the visuals that you could look at and be like, oh, well, this is kind of interesting, even though the story, make, you know, doesn't connect. You had the vis- visuals to look at. And, I mean, some of the actors' lines were halfway funny and John Travolta was just over-the-top ridiculous. But in this movie, it was like <clears throat> there was nothing there was nothing that you could appreciate because you were literally in one room the whole movie <laughs> and the actors didn't even offer you anything that could possibly intrigue you. Like I said, there's some other movies that are really trash, but then they have some intriguing parts, but this just offered nothing of any kind of entertainment value whatsoever. And it was legitimately, um, I I can't think of another movie that I sat through that I, I wanted out. It was like being trapped and uh, I had to finish and I felt like it was, it was, terrible enough for me to just want to walk away uh this movie was was that though it's definitely um i would say probably the worst movie i've ever seen it's gonna get a one yeah i'm with you i i i went back through all our reviews that we've done and it surprised me that i'm the only one out of the three of us that has never given a movie a one Say what you want to say about how I'm critical that some of these movies that you and Scott like. I have always been able to find at least something to justify not giving a movie the lowest score possible. In this, I still have a concussion from the (laughs) ham-fisted Christian message that was shoved in in the last five minutes of the movie. I have permanent retina damage from trying to make sure that the screen really was out of focus and I wasn't just having something going wrong with my contacts. And I still have a headache from those opening scenes. Also, real quick, is this the first movie that we've done that has a blooper reel at the end? Really? I didn't see the... I, I didn't make it that far. By blooper reel, I mean it was one scene of Miss Weston and Jean sitting on a couch and each breaking for absolutely no reason. It was the most unfunny blooper I have ever <laughs> seen in my entire life. And it was like two and a half minutes long. Well, if, what do you if, expect? They could have they redeemed themselves with one blooper. Just show me one thing that's funny. But you even messed up bloopers. If you mess up bloopers, I'm sorry. But The Borrowed Christmas is the very first universal one in the history of this podcast. It's taken us 27 weeks to get there, but we have our very first one. It is garbage our podcast (laughs) as much as i think it is amateur and contrived our podcast is about a million times funnier and more entertaining than that movie 
For the first time in my life, I am encouraging you, imploring you, dear listeners, do not watch this movie for yourself. You know the story now. Save yourself what will probably be a lifetime of mental anguish and scarring as I try to come to terms (laughs) with the borrowed Christmas. That pretty much sums it up. Hello. You have one new message from a bum who could not be bothered to stay for the entire show. Okay, Zach, I'm back. Sorry about that. I hated to have to leave last night. Uh, As far as a review on this movie, um, it was pretty bad. I mean, it just, it was not good. I'd asked the question last night at some point, what point in life do you have to come to where you have absolutely no one to be around for a holiday? Uh, It's just so much of the movie to me was unrealistic. The acting was horrible. Um, The movie moved so slow. Um, I know for myself, if I didn't have to watch this movie, I would not have watched this movie. Uh, it was just difficult to watch. Now, with that being said, I think there was a couple good messages that were in there, um, but they get overshadowed just by the um, putrid acting that's going on almost in every single part. Um, I struggle because I wanted to like this movie, uh, but I couldn't. I couldn't like it. I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, that would be so boring in someone's life. Uh, I'm going to give this movie a one. I would recommend that no one watches it. Uh, if they would do a remake of this, touch a couple things up, and actually get some actors, I think there would be some things they could do with it. But uh, the acting was so bad that it just took away from every single other thing that was in this. Uh, so for that reason, I give it a one. I hope you guys are doing well. Lord willing, I will be back in full swing next Thursday. I watched the review uh, of the new movie. Not excited about that at all. Uh, we've got Christmas now and Ghost. How exciting. Brother, I love you. I'm um, having a lot of fun doing this. I appreciate your patience with me. And Lord willing, I'll talk to you soon. You take care, brother. Bye. All right. Now it is time for us to introduce and review our next movie. It is the 2015 film The Spirit of Christmas. Twelve days before Christmas, Kate is trying to close the sale of a historic inn, only to find Daniel, the ghost of a man who died a century ago, And he needs her to help unravel the mystery of his annual holiday haunting. Okay. This sounds like it could have potential. I know. This is actually my fault. Because I told Kelsey last night, I was like, one, we haven't watched any Hallmark movies. And two, wasn't there a Hallmark movie about a bunch of ghosts at a Christmas hotel? And she's like, oh yeah, this is what it was. So, I technically, I guess, picked this one. So, is she going to fall in love with this ghost? I don't know. Are you ready to start this trailer? Yep. 
It's 12 days before 12 Christmas. 12 days before Christmas. And Kate's a little wrapped up in her work. Holly Grove in. I bet nice, she works huh? at the magazine that no, was open on Christmas Day from Christmas in Mississippi. And they want it sold Probably. Quickly. Bye. End of the year. That's in three weeks. But if she's going to get her dream promotion <laughs> nice before the holidays. Kate, with Diamond an Turner, I'm here for the property appraisal. Yes. Mr. Murray arrived early. Left early, too. What happened? It's probably the ghost. The ghost. She's about to get a serious. Well, you have to call. disclose if somebody dies in your house and sell it. I have no wish to harm you. I merely want my solitude, which requires your departure. All right, this is weird. Now, Kate's about to find out. Impossible. That not everything is as it appears. Everything's in focus. Oh, Daniel is not a ghost. <laughs> However, when the clock strikes midnight on December 24th, he will be yet again. How does that even work? A curse. A curse. You just said a curse out loud and actually meant it. And if she's going you know he's a ghost because he's eating an apple with a knife. We have a chance What's going on with his hair? It's like dripping on his face. face. And every on? scene that he's in, well, he has know. a knife and an apple First, in it. <laughs> every scene. Town's oldest mystery. I was struck from behind. I never remember that before. And in the process, discover the power of She's love. She's gonna fall in love with the ghost. I'll make sure you always have a tree for Christmas. Mar Vista Entertainment presents Jen Lilly and Thomas Boudoin, Boudoin. in a timeless romantic holiday story. It's almost midnight. Well, then I'll wait for you. Same time next year, and the year after, and the year after that. That sounds like a great relationship. The spirit of Christmas. Yeah. He is the spirit does. You only have to see. You only have to see your significant other once a year. Sign me up. <laughs> All right. Well, after, in the after the last movie we watched, I'm going to say that one's going to be great. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I heard about it. And because I heard about it, it must not be that terrible. So it's an interesting premise. I feel bad that she's getting involved with the ghost. That does never work out, guys. Listen, if... If your significant other is the is a specter or a ghoul or a spirit, listen, God intends us to be matter of fact, marriage, once you die, is is annulled. It's it's done. Marriage isn't a spiritual thing. So if you go into a relationship that's already half spiritual, I just don't think it's gonna work out. You should preach that sometime. That's my sermon from Sunday for Sunday. Um I'm going to get fired on a Sunday. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. I'll give it a, I'll give it a, I'll give it a six. <laughs> uh, I think I'll do, uh, I'll do a six too. I, I don't have tremendous hope for it, but. Um, I mean, it can't be, it can't be the borrowed Christmas bad. True. I mean, I'm, I'm feeling very optimistic about anything that we watch. Okay, well, that's going to be the end of it. Please remember uh, to like us on Facebook if you haven't already at facebook.com slash rotten or righteous. You can email at us at rottenorrighteous at gmail.com. We have a website, rottenorrighteous.com. It's not really hard. You, you, you just put rotten or righteous in front or behind anything on the internet. You'll probably come to something that, that we have done. We are available on Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please give us five stars and a quick review. It helps us reach a larger audience. Thank you so much for listening. For Zach and Scott and Luke and Gary, who doesn't talk, but he's here, uh, this has been Zach Geiler, and is Zach Geiler, and will be Zach Geiler, Lord willing. <laughs> but you turn into been a ghost. Rotten. 
maybe, and then I'll only be able to podcast once a year. Somewhere my dad is like, please, please stop. You're embarrassing the family. Stop using your real name. Thank you for listening to Rotten Righteous. We'll be back with you next week, but I do want to leave you with just something that can, can maybe pep you up during the week ahead. If you ever think that maybe you're just not the smartest person in the room, remember that when a reporter asked Shaquille O'Neal if he visited the Parthenon during his trip to Greece, he replied, I can't really remember the names of the clubs we went to. <laughs> I bet you thought the show was over. <laughs> it's not. It's not over. We still have to talk about this stupid movie with our wives, Kelsey and Megan, two people that are awesome, and I love one a lot. I'll let you guys fight over who it is, but <laughs> but they are here for wife chat. Wife, wife chat. chat. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Oh, no. 2.0. It's where we chat with our wives, and I get my mandatory 10 minutes of conversation time. Don't have to talk to her anymore after this for a whole week. Yes. <laughs> Again, I want to say how much I just absolutely love the listeners were getting simply because I put your guys' name on the show. It's wonderful. We've never had so many listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so my first question after watching The Borrowed Christmas is this. Who do you two think you are? What was well, that? I'm Chelsea. <laughs> it's nice to meet you. <laughs> what was not that? I think that? Who picked this movie? <laughs> Because yeah, both, because both said it was the other. There's I asked the Kelsey, other. and Kelsey said Megan, really and Luke asked Megan, sure. and Megan said Kelsey. Someone picked this movie. I think we both picked effort. it together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm trying to distribute blame. So did you so watch the... I didn't watch it before, so... Did you watch the trailer before suggesting this movie? We had like no that. idea. No, we... I didn't watch the trailer. We just, just knew that we had to find something on Amazon or somewhere where everybody could watch it. So that was on the that list. That was the only one. <laughs> I guess I should thank you because of this movie, Battlefield Earth, doesn't seem that bad. Oh, Battlefield Earth <laughs> is awful. So <laughs> is. Well, that and Joseph and the Technicolored Coat. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> They're not even in the same league. I'll tell you why. Yeah. Jo Joseph... Joseph was in focus the whole time, and so was Battlefield Earth. It may have been at a 25-degree angle, but it was in focus. And not only that, but in both Joseph and Battlefield Earth, say what you want. Uh, the actors, I don't know, could act. They are trained actors. They didn't get their Aunt Tilly from the side of the street. This is the most joyous Christmas ever! <laughs> It was really cringy, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm, it I'm, was. I, I said this in the podcast, but I'll repeat it. 
The only time I felt more or uncomfortable watching something on TV is when I watched the Netflix documentary Abducted in Plain Sight, where a little girl gets kidnapped by their parents' best friend and married in Mexico. That was, <laughs> that was the equivalent of the cringe factor of watching this. It was, it was one murder away from being the next great Christmas horror movie. <laughs> that would have redeemed it. It really would have if there had just been like a serial killer at the end and been like, "All oh, you people deserve to die." I want to know who sat down in a in a focus group somewhere and said, "Hey, we're gonna make this movie about a guy who doesn't have a family for Christmas." Okay, sounds like a good start. Yeah, so he buys one. Whoa, hold on, just one second. You're talking about buying like presents and Christmas trees and stuff. Yep, great. That sounds good. Oh, he's also buying people. No, hold on a second. <laughs> you just described slavery. Didn't he rent them or did he buy them? Oh, he borrowed them with money, oh, which yeah, means he well, he and, then, and then he adopted the kids in the end. Which yeah, that was redeeming. Is it was, redeem- was, was it redeeming? Yeah, he bought the people that he rented. First of all, there's like first of all, I have a problem with this because there was like ten other little orphan kids that made up the choir. They just get to go back and go, Well, I guess I wasn't chosen for this fiasco. They're not part of the elect. And not only that, but if, if somebody came up to me, if I was a caseworker and someone came up to me and going, Hey, this guy somehow was able to rent our orphans for a couple of days. Uh, they came over, slept at his house no supervision um they just kind of went with it and now he wants to adopt him i would say no that's creepy no negative this is, this is a small town this guy has a good reputation everybody knows him it's solid i don't it happens all the time the second one of those kids called him daddy was the second i had to stand up i stopped taking notes i stood up i crossed my arms and just started scratching myself i was so uncomfortable i could feel the creepiness just flood over my 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 skin yeah, that was a little creepy, for sure. It gave me diabetes. Or the oh, time that weird. the girl brought, like, the picture of herself, too, and just gave it to him. <laughs> and I was like, what in the world? Or the fact that he read the Christmas story oh. out of Great Paintings of the World. <laughs> Which, that adds it to a whole nother level of creepy, because that means he had that memorized, Luke. Do you realize that? He had it memorized, no. and he was just pretending to read... From the book, Great Paintings of the World. He had been setting this up for a long time. I mean, this is this is psychopath-level creepy. He even said he had been watching the lady out of his window for a long time as she walked by. That's true. Oh, I know. I know you live near me. <laughs> well, he wanted the same type of Christmas as his friend. That the same too. number of kids. <laughs> I rented your family. Hey, if Luke ever came up to me and said, "Hey, Zach, I'm I'm renting a Christmas. I'm renting a Christmas. We got all the same number of kids. You got same ages. I'd be like, get out of my house, move along. I'm sir. gonna do that. You just wait. Move along. It was creepy. All right. So, just so you two know, this has been given the very first universally accepted unanimous one in rotten or righteous history as a matter of fact in 26 episodes or 27 episodes now i have never given a one rating to any single movie until this one it was it was bad 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 
Bad, bad. <laughs> so with that in mind, <clears throat> Megan, we'll start with you. Give us your rating and why. Um, I would say a one because it was so cringy. And I would do negative one if that was <laughs> an option. <laughs> I think we all would have. <laughs> Oh, there, it just has no redeeming qualities to it whatsoever. I mean, the ending was slightly redeeming because he, he took care of her family, but he proposed still. to a woman that he met twenty-four hours ago true, with a brooch. True, and he didn't even give her a ring; he gave her a brooch. <laughs> if I had proposed with a brooch, would you marry me? Probably. No. The kids knew what a brooch was. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right, Kelsey, what's your rating? A one. And why? Because it was absolutely terrible. For someone who loves Christmas movies, I could not. If I, I could not stand to watch it. That's like torture. If someone needed to torture someone, that's how you would do it. Is play that, play that on, on her feet. <laughs> Agreed. Oh. Is it is it better or worse than Battlefield Earth? Oh, it's absolutely worse. <laughs> <laughs> I will watch Battlefield Earth for a week over watching that one more time. There you have it. There you have it. Do not watch this movie. Watch the previews before you watch this movie. <sighs> I just... I have I have very little hope for humanity going into next week. What is next week? Oh, next week is Spirit of the Christmas. The Spirit of Christmas. Oh yeah. And to be fair, I kind of picked this one. I didn't mean to, but I said, "Isn't there a Hallmark movie about a lady that that loves a ghost?" She's like, "Spirit of Christmas." It's like, "All right." <laughs> Good. Good, good. All right. Well, I look forward to talking to you guys about the Spirit of Christmas next week. But until then, this is the real end of our show. Stay tuned after the closing music. We'll put something funny up there for the for just the the holly jollies and whatnot else. And until next time. <laughs> <laughs> and until next time, remember, say your prayers and obey your moms and dads. Real quick, Kelsey, do you know what nationality Santa Claus is? No. He's North Polish. Good night, everybody! What's the bad news? I don't know how to tell you this. What? Well, they called from the Actors Guild. And? The kids aren't coming. Why aren't they coming? Well, two of the kids have measles and the others don't want to come by themselves. 
they don't really want to miss Christmas at home anyway. <laughs> That's the worst part. They haven't found anyone to play the part. <laughs> I don't understand. Well, they said they'd keep trying. But even if we get the mother, what about the kids? Well, I could always play one of the parts. Jimmy, would you? Can you? Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't know how good of an actor oh, I am, though. Oh, you would but... be great. You're like a Robert De Niro. <laughs> you did all the plays at Villa, it's right? Yeah, but that's oh, not... You're a good actor. You're a good actor. We're going to have to change your name. We're going to have to change your name to Jack. You'll be the oldest son. John would like that. Huh? Yeah. Oh, John Dell, the nickname for John is Jack. And it would be kind of nice to make him feel like you're really his son. You know? Okay, fine by me. Fine. <laughs> Jimmy, I really appreciate Not Jack. Oh. Um, Jack. I really appreciate this. Seriously, though, it's not only to help Miss Weston. You know, I just want the chance to be in a real home with a family and a real mother and father. Even if it's just for one day. I understand. All the guys at school, they say they're fighting with their dads all the time about this and that. I don't know how lucky they are to fight with their dad. <laughs> I lost my daddy at 14. You never told me that before. Yeah. My first job at 14, too. 14? I put um, four brothers through college. It was challenging, but it was worth it. Four brothers. Mm -hmm. Do you have any sisters? I do. I have a, a youngest sister, and she is. Well, she just got married out of high school, and I was really counting on using the money to go see her after the holidays. But it'd be out of the question if we don't get a mother and children. The orphanage! Talk about great lines. Yes! Oh. Any suggestions? Thank you.